praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's say happy birthday this week to Joy over there. John Cock, happy birthday this week. Tomorrow, Chloe, I see you turn sweet 15. Uh, a shout out to Alan. He's standing right here. Uh, Alan is our, one of our missionaries to Brazil. Him and his wife, they go travel to and from Brazil. We support them. New Life does. New Life Manitou sponsors them. And this last week, uh, the men's ministry, Manitou Men's Ministry, M3, had a barbecue and he did an authentic Brazilian barbecue for us. So shout out to Alan. It was wonderful. If you don't know what that is, it's like piles of meat, which was wonderful for our men's ministry. Uh, So anyways, I have a topic today to talk to you about that affects everyone. It really does. It's one of these topics that our nation, it's affected our nation. It it can come into the church. It certainly comes into my life. It comes into all of your lives. And it is the sin of Greed. Today's topic, it's a little heavy today. This sin, this topic of greed. And so today, three-point sermon, because that's what you like, that's what I like to preach. Uh, the first point, I'll define greed today, and then we'll talk about, well, what's the big deal? What is, why is greed so wrong? And just to kind of spoil it right now, it goes against God's sovereignty. It goes against God's grace. And the third point we'll get to later in the sermon is, well, what can we do about it? What's our weapon against greed? And is there a test? I'm going to give you a test for greed in your own life. So if you would, and if you are able would you stand with me? We're going to read Proverbs chapter one, because we're in a series on Proverbs. And did you know that in the book of Proverbs, it starts off with Proverbs of Solomon, King David's son from Israel, their purpose. He says what the purpose is to teach wisdom and discipline, to instruct those, to give wise sayings. And then the very first thing that is in the book of Proverbs, the very first piece of advice is about Greed is about this topic. So here we are in verse 10 of Proverbs chapter one. And it says this, it's advice to a child. It says, my son, maybe your version says my child or my son or daughter. It says this, my son, do not, don't let sinners entice you. Don't go when they say, come with us. Let's set up a deadly ambush. Let's secretively wait for the innocent just for fun. Imagine like a group of people say, hey, come on, let's have some fun. Let's mess people up. Verse 12, let's swallow up. This is what they say. Let's swallow up the living like the grave, whole like those who go down to the pit. We'll find all sorts of precious wealth. We'll fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us. We'll share our money. So that's what this group of people is saying. And the wisdom says, don't go with these people. Verse 15, my son, my daughter, my child, don't go on the path with them. Keep your feet from their way because their feet run to evil. They hurry to spill blood. And then this ancient metaphor says, it's useless to catch, to cast a net in the sight of a bird. Like if you're trying to catch a bird, don't show them what you're doing. But it's like this. These people are doing something like this. They're, they're setting up a net in the sight of, of a bird. Verse 18 says, but these sinners, they're setting up a deadly ambush and they lie in wait for what? For their own lives. Verse 19 will conclude here. These are the ways of all who seek unjust gain, and it costs them their lives. This is the word of the Lord. God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, 
But we welcome your spirit's work inside of us. Lord, this metaphor of of greed, Lord, keep us far from that. Lord, we declare in this space that you are sovereign. We declare in this space that, Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. You are a God who gives and gives and gives. And Lord, we want to be like you. So we praise your name in here. You, Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, Amen. 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 You may be seated. This passage is a little intense, don't you think? It escalates quickly. There's like a group of people wanting you to come with them. And most of us would say, no, I wouldn't do that. Like, what if some people in here were like, hey, after church, we're going to go hide in the bushes. And then the next people that come out, we're going to jump out. We're going to beat them up. We're going to steal their money and we're going to take their car. You in? No, like, no, I'm not in. Are you crazy? We'll all go to jail. Like, that's stupid. That's idiotic. But that is the metaphor for greed. And most of us in here, we would say, well, we're not greedy like that. We're not waiting in the bushes to hurt someone and steal their money. I guess we're not greedy. No one in here struggles with greed, right? Like, no, but I'm not talking to anybody in here. We have an online audience. So maybe all of us can think, Joe's talking to somebody online. They're probably in another country. They've just stumbled on this website. And this whole message is for them. So we will all just, we will just listen politely because we all know someone who's really greedy, right? Like all of us in our minds, like, oh, we know someone who's really greedy. Like those rich people, those, the fat cats, the Wall Street guy, though, we all know someone who's really greedy, but none of us are greedy. Amen. Amen. No, no, don't amen that. That's a, that was a trick, amen. <laughs> uh, this message, right? It, this message is for all of us. And we might not be greedy. Like, like this proverb, it's, it's really intense. Like, come with us. Let's set up a deadly ambush. We'll lie in wait for someone else's blood. Let's secretively wait for it. Like, this is like, whoa, that's escalating quickly. But this is a metaphor. This is really how evil greed looks to the Lord. This is a picture, this is a metaphor for us when we walk in the way of greed. So let me define greed. And my, uh, hopefully by the, the middle of this sermon, I will have uh, made the point that this is something we all struggle with. It's not just something we can point to someone else and say, oh, they're greedy. No, 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 this is a problem in here with me, our hearts, your hearts. This is, this is for everyone, this is for humanity, this is the sin of humanity, like greed, wanting more and, and desiring it. So greed is this. So point number one is this. We could put point one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'll say it a couple times. It's, it's, it, I put it this way. It's not my definition, but it makes a lot of sense. Greed is the illegitimate and unauthorized desire and pursuit for acquiring. Greed is the illegitimate. It's, it's not legit by God's standards. It's unauthorized, authorized, unauthorized by God. And it's both the desire and the pursuit for acquiring. So I, I imagine we could all point to someone else. Oh, they're, they're really greedy. You know, that's, the, that's, that's them. They're pursuing greed. They're squashing little people. They're standing on others to get ahead and, and get more. Like it's, it's the pursuit and it's a, it's a motive of the heart. It is the desire as well as the pursuit. 
And I think we could all say, like, greed is something that, that we struggle with in, in little steps. Like, this proverb is like down the line of greed, where these kinds of things do happen every single day. There are crimes being committed today, unfortunately, tomorrow. Like, there's crimes where people do lie in wait, and they kill people in order to get more and steal. And it's a dark, dark scene. And the proverb says that it leads to the destruction of their own lives. But somebody doesn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go hurt someone. I'm going to take someone's life in order to steal their money. No one wakes up and says that, but there's little steps along the way that that end up in the place of greed. Let me tell you a story. Uh, This came out as uh, as a huge scandal years ago, and it was with my bank. Anybody else a Wells Fargo member, banker? Uh, And so I have a Wells Fargo account. On your Wells Fargo card, by the way, it says how long you've been a customer since. Customer since. You know what mine says? 1979, because my parents, my mom's here, she must have set up a little account for me when I was one years old. Like grandma gave me 100 bucks. We put the, did we put the 100 bucks in there? We set up a Wells Fargo account. So if you hold a Wells Fargo card and it says customer since and it's before 1978, come show me, we'll high five each other. That's pretty cool. So anyways, Wells Fargo, like my bank and the whole like thing with banks is that you trust them. You give them your money. They have it. And you trust them that when you want your money back, when you need your money out, they will give you the money. Like the whole relationship is trust. But a few years ago, Wells Fargo got themselves in a huge amount of trouble. Maybe some of you know about this. They were uh, making accounts for people, like from the top down, like at the top, the CEO was like, we need more accounts, more and more accounts. It looks really good on paper with the quarterly reports when there's more new accounts. And so the New York Stock Exchange has Wells Fargo, WFC, And so the stock goes up when there's more accounts. So you guys got to get more accounts. And they incentivized more accounts, new accounts. And they said, if you can't make these numbers, so many new accounts per whatever time, then you could lose your job. And so the the, the people all working at Wells Fargo were like, I need to get people to get new accounts. And so maybe they would give themselves new accounts. Like, I guess I need to make my numbers. I'll start another, yet another savings account. I'll use uh, my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad. I'll give them all some more accounts. And what harm is there in that? Like it's just making new accounts, maybe a savings account. It's a zero balance. Who cares? No harm, no foul. And then the pressure kept mounting. We need more new accounts. And so what began to happen was a whole culture within Wells Fargo of people making accounts for people that they didn't even know. Like they were just picking names and making savings or whatever kinds of accounts for them. And this became a huge scandal. Two something million of these fake accounts. Like if you're a Wells Fargo customer, you may have been given an account without your permission, like the lack of trust here. And it blew up all along the way. It's like, well, that's not that big of a deal. Just making an account for somebody, just doing it for my parents, just doing it for me, just doing it for somebody. I don't know what's the big deal. No harm, no foul. But on a corporate level, this is, it came out as one of the huge scandals of the last couple of years. The CEO had to go before Senate and there was a trial and all these fines. It's like, what are you guys doing? You're an institution of trust. And instead you've become a culture of really, if we're honest, a culture of greed. 
Like this is the way greed works. I'm saying this to say, you know, you don't wake up one day and say, you know, like this, this proverb, like, let's go lie in wait. Let's kill someone in order to take their money. But there are steps along the way. And this metaphor becomes true in our lives when we let greed overtake us. There's this idea that only the rich people, they're the greedy ones. Well, greed can affect the haves and the have nots just the same. And in fact, making money in itself is not wrong at all. Some of you might need to hear this and be encouraged this morning about like business. Like if you're a business person, you own a business. I know lots of business owners, some in Manitou. I think of like Red Dog Cafe owned by some wonderful Christians uh, here in town. Uh, I think of Greg Cobble. I don't know if he's here today. He owns Manitou e-bikes. And so if you want to rent an e-bike and go uh, gallivanting around town, you can visit him and his shop. It's a great business. And so if you, let's just say for the purpose of an example, let's say you start a business. You have $20,000. You you do like a, a, just out of your home, you start a business, like a side hustle. And you do really well. You you provide some service, you provide some good, and you're just doing really well. You you do a good job, you're not cutting corners, and people like the product. And you take this $20,000, and after a couple years, it becomes a business worth $200,000. Now you have employees, and they're doing the job, and they, they have the, the, the inspiration to carry on the business how you have set. You have this vision for a great product, a great service, and your business grows to $2 million. You bust out of Manitou, you have warehouses, it becomes kind of a Colorado thing, and now you have name recognition, and you stay focused on like, like what you wanted to do, providing a great service, providing a great good, and people recognize that, and it blows up to like a $200 million business. Is this all good? Yeah, this is great. This is the Lord's favor. This is the Lord's blessing. This is someone working hard and having a business dream and carrying it out and doing good and we get to purchase their product. This is all good. Making money is good. It shouldn't be that we just imagine that greedy people are only the rich because the one who is writing the Proverbs, do you know who wrote the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs? King Solomon, he was one of the richest people ever. Like he's always on like the top 10 list of the wealthiest individuals ever in history. Like there's some rich people now, like uh, who's the Amazon guy? Uh, Jeff Bezos or the, the Tesla guy, the... Elon Musk, there's some other people that are like billion billionaires. And these people, if you were to compare them like apples to apples somehow with like uh, US money as it was worth like in ancient worlds or in former times, well, these guys would be like nothing compared to like Rockefeller and Carnegie before like Monopoly laws. Like those guys were really rich. And but Carnegie and Rockefeller would be nothing compared to like in the ancient world, like the emperors of like the Mongolian empire, Genghis Khan, or like the Roman empire, uh, Caesar Augustus, like these guys really had the wealth. And if you compare that list, this very short list of like the most wealthy people of all time, well, guess who would be on it? Well, usually Solomon is on that list, if not towards the very top of this list. Very wealthy. And he is the one warning us against greed. The wisdom of Solomon from the Lord to us. The very first warning he gives us. Like there's this introduction, verses one through nine in the book of Proverbs, where he just kind of sets the scene. These are the words of the wise. Figure out their puzzles. This is for a long life. These are good words. And then it gets down to the very first thing, which is the warning about the sin of greed. 
And so throughout the book of Proverbs, not only does he start with it, but it is sprinkled throughout the book of Proverbs that we need to manage our money well and we need to avoid greed. Here's just a couple, uh, kind of a top list. I think I have just uh, eight here of some Proverbs along the way that, that speak directly to greediness and money. This is just kind of a best of list that I found this week. So Proverbs 28, 25. A greedy man or greedy person stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Here's another one. Proverbs 28, 22. A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. Proverbs 15, 27. He who is greedy for grain, gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs 20, verse 10, false weights and measures, the Lord detests them both, like the ways of cheating, the Lord detests that. Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. We all come into this world with what? Nothing. And we all leave this world with nothing. There's a preacher's joke. It always gets good laughs, but you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer of stuff, do you? Like that, we leave this earth with nothing. And we th- I think we all know in our heads that money is not the root of all evil. In fact, Paul in his letter to Timothy, it's uh, 1 Timothy 6.10, doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so later in the sermon, I'll kind of invite you to think about like, where are you at with your love of money? I think we would all say, well, none of us in here love money because we know we're not supposed to. But maybe you're going on long walks on the beach with money. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. You don't love money, but you got candles set up and there's a bottle open. And oh yeah, yeah, we don't love, you know, we don't love money, but you're staying up past midnight with them and you're holding hands with money. And sure, 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 you don't love money, but how many times have you sat down and watched Sleepless in Seattle with money? (laughs) We don't love money, but maybe we do. It's very hard to avoid in our world, in our day. I mean, the, the American dream is what? Like to get more and more and to get ahead. And that's kind of usually tied with somehow like this, this greed and this prosperity, even if it means illegitimate ways of getting there, we get there as Americans. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, which really goes against God's sovereignty, thinking that we can do it all on our own and not trust in the Lord. So what's the big deal about greed? Well, here's point number two is this. Um, point number two is the sin of greed goes against God's sovereignty and his grace. The sin of greed goes against God's sovereignty. Do you know what sovereignty is? Sovereignty means God's in charge. He controls the future. He controls the destiny. He controls tomorrow. God is in charge and we could put him there. We place him in this place. We declare about him that he is sovereign. 
And when we are greedy, it's like we want to do this on our own. Like we got this. We don't need God. We can figure this out. We can get ahead on our own. It's a sin against God's sovereignty. And greed is certainly a sin against God's grace. God is a God who gives. He is full of grace. There's an acronym. It's, it's silly, but I really like it. That grace stands for God's riches. Have you heard this? God's riches at Christ's expense. And wow, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us. And so what business do we have trying to greedily, uh, illegitimately get more? It's like a lack of trust in God. Character is better than cash. Can I get an amen? God is better than gold. Amen. The master is better than money. And grace is better than greed. Can I get an amen? amen? We are the type of people, Christians have this message to the world that the true riches are not of this world. We save up uh, riches. We go to get the riches that are not of this world so that when the financial advisor comes to us, and this, according to statistics, this will probably happen to the majority of us. Some financial advisor will come to us and say, I know you've worked your whole life. I know you set up for retirement, but you're not gonna have enough. Like the, the stock market, your house prices fall, the, the bottom fell out of this or that, your investment egg, it's, it's cracked or whatever. Like at some point, according to the percentages, most of us, will, at some point, we'll run out of money. And we as Christians, we could just smile when that happens and say, well, I've worked my whole life, sure, but the riches I've been working towards are not of this world. The, the, the treasures I have are family and God and friends and church and the riches I have. It, it doesn't matter that my bank account is going to run dry. I know that God is sovereign and that he is going to take care of me. And this moment will come for all of us at the end of life when, when maybe the doctor will say, there's nothing more we can do and you'll be given so long to live. This moment will come for all of us uh, either sooner or later or whatever situation where we'll run out of time and we'll be poor in the days we have left. But if we have saved, if we've treasured up riches in heaven, well, then we can smile when that day comes and say, God has been with me my whole life and God will be with me even to the grave. We believe that Christ even died on the cross and he will raise us up. We are rich when it comes to the true wealth that is not of this world. Let me tell you a story. It kind of goes back to uh, Proverbs 1. So this scene, uh, this pretty grisly scene of like a bunch of people saying, come with us. We're gonna destroy someone's life. We're gonna steal all they have. We're gonna fill our houses with plunder. We're gonna get so rich. We're gonna share our money. Um, this is a scene that I heard. It was part of someone's testimony years ago. I think it's like 15 years ago or so. I was at a New Life uh, North uh, men's retreat. And I just love men's retreat. We're gonna do a New Life Manitou men's retreat. M3, Manitou Men's Ministry. Uh, it's one of my highlights of the year. We'll do a retreat. Uh, it's in September, right? September 10th, 11th, 12th. Chris, we got it. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking at dates, mark that on your calendar, guys. We'll do a retreat. We'll go camping. Anyways, this is years ago, 15 years ago. New Life North had a retreat. I went. Uh, we were at a Trent retreat center. Different guys were sharing their stories. And one of the guys had just gotten out of prison. And he was like middle-aged, young middle-aged guy saying that he had spent the last 20 years 
in prison. And he began to share his story that in prison, he found Christ and he got out of prison. He, he was in Colorado Springs. He came to New Life. He was on this men's retreat just sharing a story. And people were fascinated. Like, what were you, like, what were you in for, man? And, and, and so he began to share his story. He said that when he was just a teenager, he was playing hoops, playing basketball at some playground, shooting hoops. And his friends came by. His friends came by and said, hey, come in the car with us. We're going we're gonna to go do something. And he's like, what are you guys going to do? Just get in with us. So he gets in the car. And imagine the teenage, young adult, young boy world is full of like, um, I don't know, just like you got to fit in. You got the, the social pressures, the peer pressures of the time. So he gets in and he finds out that these boys are going to go to a liquor store and, and steal some bottles. He's like, so they had a little plan. Like you'll distract the, the clerk. We'll go and we'll stick some uh, bottles in our pockets and we'll get out of there. And as they pull up, one of the kids, uh, maybe more than one, had a gun. And he gave it to this boy. It was just it was a couple minutes ago. He's playing basketball. Here, here, just in case. Here, take this gun. And he reluctantly takes it. They go in. It seems to be going as planned. There's some distraction. Some of the boys are taking the bottles. And then the clerk is, kind of sees what's going on. The clerk pulls out a gun of his own. And it, it happened so quickly. Shots were fired. The kid that was just playing basketball like five minutes prior pulls out his gun and bullets are flying. His bullet hits the clerk and kills him. And the boys run. The police are called. His so-called friends instantly rat him out and say, it was that kid. It was, it was him that shot the clerk. And just like that, like he is sentenced. He goes to court. He is in jail for the next 20 years. It's like a scene right out of Proverbs 1. Come with us. Let's secretively wait for the innocent just for fun. Let's shed their blood. Let's get their money. But they don't realize that it's like, a, it's like casting a net in the side of a bird. And the bird, it's like you're casting a net for your own life. This is the way of all who seek unjust gain. So, so now what? Like, we, okay, we've, in this sermon, we've, we've talked about what greed is. I think I've kind of convinced us that like, this is something we all struggle with, and it's a pretty bad deal. So point three is like, okay, what do we new, do now? How do we get rid of this monster? Point number three is this, that giving is the powerful weapon against greed. Can somebody say amen to that? I think you kind of maybe saw this coming. The, the giving is the powerful weapon against greed. And it's the test too. Like you can't just, if you're thinking to yourself, hmm, am I greedy? You can't say, well, how much do you have? That, 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 different people can have different amounts and still be greedy. It can't be, well, how much money do you make? Well, what's your paycheck look like? That, well, that doesn't have an indication on how greedy you are. It's, it's not like, well, how much more potential do I have for more? How much more does my business have potential for? Well, that, that, that's not the best indicator for greed. It's not like your net or gross financial worth. Like that's not an indication for greed. What is it? The test is, you're giving life. What, how much are you giving? What are you giving? Are you giving joyfully? What does your giving life look like? That is the test for greed. And that is the weapon against greed. 
So if you'll bear with me, I want to talk just specifically for a little bit. And sometimes at churches, it feels like, um, oh, the, the preacher's bending our arms. All he wants is money. No, no, no. I, hopefully, you've, you know me by now. If, if some of you have called me pastor for a few years, you know that that's not me. I'm not bending anybody's arm for money. That, that's not what we're doing here. We're not a greedy church. We, we try our hardest to keep greed away. What I'm doing now is to give you a weapon against greed, and that weapon is giving. So specifically, I think there's, there's two kinds of giving. I think the first is kind of like the, the disciplined way of giving. This would be like a, a tithe. If you've heard that term before, a tithe is a, how much? A 10%. So if you, if you know the Old Testament pretty well, this concept is again and again and again in the Old Testament. It was part of the legal Old Testament law. It was a part of the social rules at the time. It was how the society was structured and run. It was every year, uh, either at the harvest time, because it was an agrarian ancient culture. So the harvest time would come. Let's say you harvest wheat. You harvest all these bags of wheat. You have 10 bags of wheat. Well, then what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to give one bag of wheat to the Lord. You're supposed to bring it to the temple. And then for like the, the wheat would sometimes be used as a burnt offering. Like they would literally just burn it, burn it up and thank the Lord. Like the Lord, you have provided for us and we bring this to you. And what, what this looks like is, is nonsense to the outside world. You're burning some of your food? Yes, because we trust in the Lord. It's like we're giving it back to him with our faith. That's what we're doing. And some of that would, you know, if you had, let's say you were a cow farmer, you had a bunch of cows and bulls, you have 10 bulls, you would bring one to the Lord and it would be killed before the Lord, an offering pleasing to the Lord. And some of that meat would either be burnt or sometimes either the grain or the meat would be used for the priests and the priesthood, the tribe. So it would be given to the local, uh, I guess, priesthood. It would be brought to the temple before the Lord. And this is like the first type of giving. You bring a tenth before the Lord. And I, don't, I, don't, I can't imagine anybody here is like waiting for the harvest to like bring bags of wheat to church. Although I have seen that. I've been to like Guatemala and India where people like it was the tithe time and like people brought down like a little string, a little, little cage of chickens and a sack of wheat. And it's like, all right, this is this. I didn't bring that. Uh, do you guys accept checks? I don't know what's going on. Um, but, but I assume most of us are like our harvest time is either once a month or every other week or every week you get a paycheck. And when you get a paycheck, like, where does that go? Are you, I'm not twisting anybody's arm. I'm just talking about giving. I'm giving you a weapon against greed right now. Do you take your paycheck and do you give to the Lord? Do you give to a tithe, a 10%? That's a great place to start. You know, some people might say, well, the tithe is never mentioned in the New Testament. Well, giving is. And the tithe is mentioned, and it's usually like much more than just a tithe. The tithe is like, yeah, that's the Old Testament. New Testament, it's much more. Christ requires, and he loves, and he wants us to be givers and joyful givers and to bust out of the Old Testament like legal system and to give even more with joy. So where do you start a good like training wheels place to start? For some of you, you're like, this is new to me. Start with a tithe. Start with a 10% and give that to the church, give it to the local body, wherever you attend. If New Life Manitou is your home or if you have some other church that you would call that's your home church, that's the local body of Christians gathered, uh, that's where a tithe can go. It's, it's training wheels for giving. 
And for us, like it's we, it's for I like the electron, like uh, Joanna was up here. She said there's different ways to give. For most of us, it's like even an online thing. Like Eric and I, it's just automated. Like we we have a thing. It's just a part of a disciplined lifestyle. It's good to have a disciplined lifestyle. It's good to be disciplined on how you give or working out or what you eat. It's good to be disciplined on getting a good night's sleep. It just this is just healthy living, and a part of healthy living is. Giving. And, and I know for me, like discipline is really good because I'm the kind of person that will eat a whole pack of gum. Gobblicious. <laughs> is, is there any other way to eat a pack of gum? Yes, one at a time, like discipline. And so there's something good to be said about a discipline. This is all still the first type of giving, like just a disciplined way, a disciplined life of giving. It's almost like automated. The harvest comes in and you bring your first and the best to the Lord. It's time for the, the cows to have more cows. You just, it's just automated. You bring your best cows to the Lord. You, you bring a 10th of what you have to the Lord. Giving is a weapon against greed. And the second type of giving is just above and beyond. It's like the, the type of giving that you just joyously, spontaneously give. Like you see a need, someone in our church or outside of our church, you guys are amazing when it comes to serving each other. We'll find out about needs in our church. And for some reason, you, you, it's happened a whole bunch of times. You give me like pockets full of money and you say, hey, go give this to so-and-so. Don't tell them it's for me. Just say somebody in the church wants to bless them. And I, with joy, it's a wonderful thing. I've gotten to give away money. I've gotten to give away cars. And so I, I take these things, I give it to someone who is in need and it's, wow, Wow, this is a spontaneous gift. Someone found out about a need and someone just decided like, I'm gonna be the solution. I'm gonna be the church. I'm gonna be the solution to that person's need or crisis. Or you find out about someone doing something awesome, like, like a missionary. It's like, I mean, I'm just gonna bless their socks off. We're gonna be that missionary's blessing. We're gonna go above and beyond. And so like Erica and I will do this. We'll, we'll, we'll see something, a need. It's like, let's bless them. And what we do is we'll, we'll, I'll say a number and she'll say a number and we you go with the higher number. Like I'll say like, let's bless them. How about 50 bucks? And she'll, she'll say something like, I was thinking like 500. Like, ooh, that's a lot of money. And we'll just write the check for 500. Like that's, and it's, it's like, yes. Like we high five each other. We see the joy of what our money and our hard work can do in someone's life. And it's wonderful. It's like we're not holding these things so tightly because there is such a temptation to equate like being and, and, and who we are with what we have on this earth. And the, the giving and getting away from greed disconnects those two things and says, I am a child of God. I don't need more and more and more and, and to pile up this stuff because I trust the Lord. And I trust that he has me in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's sovereign and he's good. And we should be like him. We should give like him. One last story as I close. It's, it's the story, you probably know it. It's the story of the widow's mite. Do you know the story? So in the temple, long ago, Jesus was hanging out with his disciples and uh, there was this scene going on. It must have been a very interesting scene to watch where people were giving large sums. And I imagine in an agrarian ancient world, like people would show up 
to the temple to give and they, like someone with a lot would be showing up with like the harvest, like huge sacks of grain and maybe like a whole bunch of bulls, rams and lambs and it would be like a parade of people and servants and all this stuff coming to the temple like, wow, look at this guy. Look at how wealthy he must be. Wow, that, that, that's just a tenth. Like that's more than I make in a lifetime. Look at all this stuff. And they would be some sort of exchange where he would get money for all the cows, bulls, rams, lambs, grain, all the stuff he brought. And back then they didn't have paper money. And so they'd come in with like this huge sack of money and they'd go before the temple and the Lord, they set it down and money falling everywhere and picking it up. Like people are just like, wow, people watching. Look at this. Look at this scene. This is awesome. Look at this parade of stuff coming in. And in that same day, it says that Jesus and his disciples saw a widow. Can you imagine this widow, like a widow in the ancient world, like the ancient world was a boy's world and a widow is a woman who, who doesn't have a husband, doesn't have a family, has no one, has no way of getting money or getting a job. Like it's a man's world back in the ancient world is very poor off to be someone who is a widow. And this poor widow without family, without wealth, without money saved up, all she had is this two mites. I try to figure out like how much would that be? It'd be like pocket change. So here's the scene of like parades of animals and, and coming to the temple on a feast day and all this stuff. And here's this, I assume, embarrassed widow with nothing but like pocket change. And this pocket change, like that's her food for the day, for the week, who knows? Like that's what she has, it's her livelihood. And Jesus sees her and points it out and and sees this woman put these two little mites in, like nothing, just pocket change. And Jesus calls attention to her in front of the disciples and say, this woman, look at this, look at this scene. There's this parade of things and the sacks of money, but look at this, look at this woman here. She's given more than anybody else because she gave out of her poverty. She gave out of trusting the Lord. When all these people, all the people with these shows like gave out of their wealth and they have so much, this woman gave like all she had to the Lord. Look at this scene. She really trusts the Lord. She really is giving in a picture of grace. She is really giving in a picture of trusting the Lord and his sovereignty. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's consider these words. The band, you can come up. We take a minute, Lord, to think about our lives before you. We take a a couple moments here, Lord, to to surrender who we are, to surrender our giving to you. Lord, I imagine some of us in here, including myself, we're, we're convicted. Lord, we have been greedy Lord, there is greed at our door. There is a temptation to go into the way of greed, to cut corners, to to slice off things that aren't ours, to take, to be somewhat illegitimate in our ways, to get more and to get ahead. Lord, we're we're sorry for that. We, We ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness, for your mercy. And Lord, from you, we receive your grace. Lord, we declare that you are sovereign. Lord, we declare that we don't need to be greedy and get because you've got things under control. Lord, you have us in your hands and you love us. And so, Lord, it's with this reflecting that we worship you. Lord, we invite your um, presence, your spirit into our lives to convict us in areas where we need to grow and change, areas where we need to confess to you. And Lord, we want to honor you with our lives. We want to honor you with our money. 
We want to turn from the, the ways of greed and truly worship you, not worship money or anything in this world. So Lord, we receive now from you 